Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, digital editor of FT Advisor. One of the cliches of the 21st century is to say data is the new oil, but like a lot of cliches, there's a kernel of truth to it struggling to come out. Indeed, many companies like Facebook have turned data into an awful lot of money and an awful lot of controversy. So what does this mean for advisors? How can they put the data they hold to improve the service they offer? And what are the pitfalls? With me to discuss this are Russell Andrews, Head of Solutions at SEI, and Nick Etock, a Chief Executive of Intelliflow. Hello, both. Hello, David. So, Russell, we'll start with you, if I may. Uh, what do we mean when we say data in the context of financial advisors? Yeah, sure, Damien, no problem. I mean, quite honestly, data can mean many different things for many different people within the financial advisory industry. It can play different roles depending on the different desired outcomes that, that are looking to be achieved. Yeah, to give an example, one of the most common sets of client uh, of data is client data. Um, this can be something as simple as you know a name, address, a, a date of birth, or it could be something you know a little bit more sophisticated around you know illiquid external assets and how they value them. It can be data around you know historical uses of tax wrappers. You know, these are just a couple of simple examples of, of client data, but they're really relevant, but arguably play a slightly different role for the advisor. You know, other areas of data could be product data in terms of the, the products being recommended or, or tracked on behalf of a client. It could be market data, economic data, regulatory data, business data, really the inventory of different data types that you know are relevant to advisors is, is a pretty long one. Uh, Nick, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the interesting things about, about a lot of this data, perhaps particularly the, 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 the client data that Russell's referring to, is actually... Advisors have been collecting data about their clients for, for, for a long time. You know, there's a regulatory requirement, in fact, to, to, to know your client. I think the difference when we talk about data in this context is about how that data is both collected and stored so you can actually use it. You know, Traditionally, things would be written down on a, on a paper fat find, which might be filed somewhere, um, potentially scanned. But whether it was scanned or not, the ability to interrogate, search, and do something with that data was really, really challenging. So I think uh, advice businesses in the 21st century should treat that data in a different way in terms of how they collect, store, and then most importantly, use it ongoing. And how can they use it ongoing, Nick? Um, obviously, I, mean, I suppose an advisor might say, well, I know how much Joe Bloggs' pension is, and I use that to to assess his suitability, and then that's how I use that data. But I suppose we're talking about something a little bit more um, interesting here, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. And I, th I think it relates both to, to the individual client and then when you look at your clients uh, in, in aggregate. So if you think about the, 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 the first meeting with a client where you collect lots of information, you know, which is a core part of that advice process, obviously, how you, how you persist that data to A, make the decisions and the advice that you're going to be um, offering on the back of that, but then deal with that same client subsequently at an annual review point. So you can point out where things were, where you've got to, what were the impacts there for the advice you've given? Do you need to change track? So there's a, there's a clear and transparent path. And the reality is, is that as, as you know, cli clients are individuals and, uh, and in all walks of life, we've got used to having access to a lot of information about ourselves and whether it's our buying history on on Amazon or whether it's uh, about how you how, how your spending is going with your with your bank through things like open banking and so on we kind of expect that transparency of data so I think 
there's a there's a huge responsibility really to a be making the advice as transparent as and, and as efficient as possible for for the client, and you know the way of doing that is 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 making it more more transparent, more open to them. Yeah, I mean Nick, Nick's totally right. I mean what what I'd say on on top of that is, you know, we can't underestimate the almost the unparalleled potential that data brings with it. You know, and, and what this means is is realistically you have an unlimited number of use cases that, that could exist. Um, so I think really when you've got that many choices, it's really important that, that, you know, you try and focus on a goal that you're trying to achieve or a problem that you're trying to solve and really build a basic hypothesis around how can data help me solve this problem or, you know, achieve this goal? You know, what, what's, what's the exact data and what technology is required then to bring that to life? And, and I think, you know, the highest level I kind of characterize use cases of data in, in three different ways. One is around driving better efficiencies. The next is perhaps driving better engagement between advisor and client. And the third is really delivering more meaningful enhancements to the advice process. You know, when you think about something like efficiency, again, it could be something as, as straightforward as the avoiding of rekeying information, something that, you know, Nick is, is more than familiar with given that obviously the, the solution in Teleflow provide that you know helps you know with that enormously. But when you think about it from that basic kind of you know solution around multiple applications in play all requiring the same level of, of information, being able to identify you know a single source of data and use technology to to essentially transmit that across multiple applications creates you know a huge amount of efficiency. And with efficiency you know, we can't underestimate how important that is given that, you know, we know advisors are, are typically time poor and being able to drive those better efficiencies means that they can serve their clients better. They can potentially serve more clients and, and ultimately they could bring the cost of, of the advice to their clients down as well. So, you know, <clears throat> particularly as we move to a more holistic model, using data to do those things is something that, that, you know, shouldn't be underestimated, but the opportunity goes so much further than that when you really think about how data can be used. And so, Russell, sorry, Damien, Russell, Russell's completely right there, and he, he touched on about uh, quite a lot there about efficiency. And I think you know one of the the, the one of the key points there is that that many businesses across the world these days use data and the the proper and effective collection of data, and then the interrogation of that to work out what's really happening in their business. You know, when you start off and you're very small, you probably have got a view that you know most of the things that are going on in your business, and I think you do. But as things grow and as more people get involved and as you win more clients and as you provide more mandates, you will begin to know less of what's going on. <laughs> You'd like to probably think that you know everything, but you probably don't. And, and there, the, the data and the information that, that is collected and the, and the manipulation of that can really help you deliver the right decisions. You know, whether that's about whether you should be resourcing up in a particular area because that's a particular area of need, demand, and, and, uh, and, it, and it warrants extra uh, people investment. Or you may have things the other way where you're doing stuff that you say, well, actually, why are we spending so much time on that? Maybe there's a way of making that more efficient. And that might be about having less people focused on it and more, more automation. So you can play it in both ways, and, and and I think that's that's really crucial to thinking about your business, whether you're small, medium, or large size advice business, is how to grow that business. 
And I get the impression that you you don't think that that's currently happening. It's only got scale, Nick. Um, so how can advisors get from where they are to where uh, they should be? Um, I wouldn't say it's not happening. I would definitely say it never used to happen or rarely used to happen. I think in in a probably in a pre-RDR world, certainly one of the things we found was that when we started introducing fact-finding information within within our technology, which was a long time ago, long time ago, actually the level of population of those data fields was pretty scant. Uh, and what you could see was that very often what firms would do is that they would do a paper fact find and then just scan that as a document so it was held against the, the 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 client record and that's okay you know there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that but it does mean that you can't then deliver anything from that data whether that's the service to that particular client or information about your business in aggregate i think what we saw very markedly post um post um rdr was a step up in the use of actually recording data properly within the system and following processes so workflows, for example, we've seen a massive increase in workflows over the last five, five, six, seven years. So this is this is definitely happening, but it's not happening across the marketplace or across the profession. Yeah, I mean, maybe to to build on that as well. I think Nick's talking a lot about you know the business, and I think that's obviously hugely important for advisor firms to to, to be able to use data to manage and run their business. I think the real opportunity as well that that perhaps has been less prevalent but is becoming much more critical now is is how the advisor firms are using data to not only run their business better but to actually have a much more engaging proposition for their clients you know it's a different goal but it still requires the effective consumption and analysis of client data and and there's something that's becoming really a a minimum expectation from clients is being able to, to receive genuinely personalized advice but that personalization almost goes beyond just the, the plan it's almost a relationship needs to be predicated on a personalized understanding using you know more dynamic more intuitive type of technologies to create m- more meaningful experiences and you know through the successful use of data advisors are able to create more actionable insights and and they can know what will be appealing to their clients what will be most you know immediately relevant to their clients um, how their clients want to be communicated with you know, what level of complexity is going to be um, of interest. And if you can codify these kind of more personal preferences in a way that can then be served up to an advisor in a really slick way, advisors can really then, you know, start to demonstrate, you know, a different kind of value to their clients and build a very different kind of relationship with their clients around having a more, you know, fiduciary and advocacy kind of combination, um, you know, in in the way in which they interact with their clients. Mm -hmm. So I think the big step could be coming more around, you know, the the, the client advisor relationship and using data for that. And so does the advent of open banking uh, help pull together more more of that data so that they can create a sort of a more holistic proposition? I think it does. I think open banking certainly helps um, it helps on, on both fronts. It helps with the efficiency side because obviously that that's uh, ingesting information that, that might ordinarily need to be manually captured. It does give you a different view of a client uh, because you can see more about that client. But I think it's probably fair to recognize that open banking is probably the tip of the iceberg when it comes to accessing the full breadth of, of data. And data is really just information about an individual, right? And there's factual information, you know, spending habits, you know, how much someone earns, what assets they hold. 
that there's the real personal preferences and the traits and almost maybe the missions around an individual that when you can start to consume that and codify it in a way that makes it actionable, suddenly you've got so much more power at your fingertips as an advisor. Yeah. Yeah, open banking is is kind of the tip of of open finance in general, really, which is all the information re- relating to a client. And um, there are various initiatives to, to to make that data more accessible. Now, I think open banking and spending behaviour is particularly interesting because it's that element. It it, it automates that element of the fact finding process that very often is the biggest guess by a client. You know, so when a client is asked that information, the advisor doesn't know it. Clearly, the advisor doesn't know what the answers are. And very often, the client doesn't know what the answers are either. And so actually, when you look at spending, and I've done this myself, and we've done this on, on a number of colleagues across the business using the open banking integrations within our technology, and they look at the answers and go, oh, my word, I didn't realize that. You know, They genuinely didn't realize that. So A, it's interesting, and B, that, that creates some of those actions that that Russell's referring to. And one point, just, just coming back to, to, to the previous point about all the great things that, that, that Russell was mentioning there about improving the business and so on, those are all absolutely correct. And if that wasn't enough, think about this final bit, which is actually, if you do want to sell your business at some point, you will be measured at least in part by the quality of the data you hold. We get involved in a reasonable number of data migrations on behalf of firms who, uh, who use our technology and are acquiring someone else. And we know with absolute certainty <laughs> that data and the quality of the data does have an impact on both the price of, a, a, of, of an acquisition and indeed some cases whether it happens or not. So you know, do treat this importantly um, if it's not for your business today, but for your, for your future tomorrow. I guess nobody wants to have to go through a whole uh, filing cabinet full of paperwork to... Uh put piece together Certainly what's not. going on in the business not much <laughs> i mean maybe maybe just and I, I think nick is spot on you know it, it can't be underestimated how big a challenge it is to you know to really build and manage a modern data capability right and, and that's a you know a great reason why you know advisor firms are engaging with external technology and data specialists to help them in that area even the biggest of firms with the deepest of pockets because it's it is such a specialist skill set where you really need to you know work across a range of different technologists with different you know broad range of skill sets including those data scientists to be able to help educate all of the stakeholders just the true value of the data and that, and that really shouldn't be underestimated how, how hard that can be and, and nick without wanting to uh, encourage you to uh, to push in, t- in teleflow is this something that realistically advisors can only do with an external it sounds like a quite a big uh, big job managing your data properly advisors are advisors at the end of the day not data analysts yeah well you need to make sure that the processes by which you run your business make data collection just part of just part of business as usual and you know and that's actually not that difficult these days so you've got client portal technology which you can use to service information to your clients and get information back from your clients so we talked there about open banking briefly you know that's very much an end client initiated activity which can actually improve the quality of your data so you can almost and this is we've seen this happen across many many businesses uh, uh, advice businesses across the sector is almost enlisting your own clients in the process of improving your data and making sure that you've got better data uh, uh, about them and you know that can help as we've talked about earlier things like 
uh, advice in general, cash flow modeling, and, 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 and so on. So I think that's a, that, 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 that's a core part of it. The truth is, is that actually having technology to do it is only part of the equation. You do then need to use that te- technology. So, and I think this is the hard, probably one of the hardest things for advisors is they've got lots of stuff going on in their, in their, just in the day job, as it were, that ensuring that they've got time to look at the technology that they use and understand how best to make use of that is something they have to, they should, in my view, set some time aside. Now, bigger businesses actually have it a bit easier because very often they will have dedicated staff whose focus is just about managing the technology and 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 using it using it to the best of its abilities. Um, in smaller businesses, that is harder, but it doesn't. Nonetheless, it doesn't mean it's something that they shouldn't do. I very strongly, whenever I talk with an advice business, even very small advice businesses, I say, you know, just for twenty minutes once a month, have a view. Just have a quick review of all the enhancements your technology has made in the last month, and say which ones of those could do something for me. And then adopt one because it might only be one of the the dozens that they've released. There may just be one feature that you think, oh, that would make a real difference. But by dedicating that twenty minutes to improving your business, you will make you will make the technology a success within your business rather than just something that sits in the corner and you feel you have to use. Mm. Yeah, I also think that the um, the use of partners is going to become more applicable as technology enhancements continue as well you know and when I talked at the start about the kind of the three different characteristics the last one I, I talked about was enhancement and really enhancing the advice model and I think this is where data can be deployed alongside advanced technologies to help advisors operate beyond what some people refer to as kind of peak human um, you know being able to help advisors um, you know make better more personalized decisions in real time you know, being proactive with changing circumstances, be provided with clear direction as to which clients need attention, most importantly, you know, and how you can kind of keep your your clients on track for success. You know, these are areas which can be, you know, really considered a real game changer, particularly in, in respect of how clients are, are looking to seek more value from, from their advisors. I mean, after all, if you think data is rocket fuel for artificial intelligence, and if the advice industry wants to, you know, really benefit and leverage meaningfully from, you know, how artificial intelligence will play a role in the future, you know, focus now needs to go on, you know, the data and, and the science behind that as to how that can be brought to life in a realistic way, which is something that most people, you know, myself included, kind of gets like it blows my mind in reality. So you need to get external specialist help to be able to really help, you know, maximize that opportunity. And finally, a question that I suppose we should address is the uh, regulatory side of things. We often hear about uh, data breaches, and uh, we all have heard to uh, interact with GDPR in some form or another. Russell, what do you think the sort of key pitfalls here are and how advisors can um, Sure. I mean, I think there are two main areas that, that really need to be considered very carefully in respect to the use of data by financial advisors. I think first is it's, it's explicit use its collection its use the security of personal data you know which as you mentioned is now pretty heavily regulated by gdpr you know but the second is also how the data is being used in order to derive decision making there's things like risk assessments for example so you know if you think about gdpr if you start there it's been around for a while now Uh, the rules have become pretty well understood 
but it's critical that the risks that, that it presents are continuously monitored and, and mitigated. In reality, financial advisors are typically the data controller for clients, you know, personal data, which means they have full accountability in respect to, to its security and its use. So a good starting point for advisors is to, to go through a number of different um, steps, including, you know, for example, creating a, a data protection impact assessment, you know, or a DPIA as, as, as it's often referred to. Now, smaller firms are unlikely to want to do that themselves, but through working with the, the technology and data partners, you know, by assessing their own DPIA is a good way that they can really get comfortable around the controls that are in place. You know, similar to the DPIA, there's, you know, a record of processing activity, a ROPA. You know, and again, by being able to understand and just have sight of these things means that, you know, they can have confidence that their their, their, their partners in technology and data are, you know, who are ultimately the data processors have what they need in place to be able to to protect clients and protect the advisor firms themselves. Well, then maybe just on the, you know, how the data is being used to drive decision-making. I mean, I think we all recognize that technology can can do things that traditionally people have done, you know, advisors have done manually around a number of different parts of the advice process. And they can do that maybe quicker, maybe more efficiently. But But technology isn't infallible. Right. Technology can make wrong decisions. So I think it's really important that we don't lose sight of, you know, having systems in place which can help mitigate some of those more enhanced risks around technology use and actually having guardrails in place, which is directed by the, the advisors who have all of the years of experience and all of the qualifications that can kind of provide that, that almost safety net um, as it relates to how data and technology can be used. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd echo uh, Russell's points there, and I think I mean this is an interesting one. We we spend a lot of our lives in, in in this in this profession talking about the impact of regulation, good or bad, and uh, you know every uh, a lot of people can fall both both sides of that 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 argument. Funny enough, for me, as far as GDPR goes, and obviously GDPR isn't isn't aimed solely at the the advice industry this is a this is not just about us uh, this is a far more generic wide wide thing no um, i promise you journalists have had to spend a lot of time on gdpr as well <laughs> yes absolutely um the, actually the funny thing about gdpr is i think actually it's one of those regulations out there or pieces of uh, pieces of law out there that actually is encouraging firms to do the right thing and actually if you Take it in the spirit in that spirit. Actually, what it means is yes, you will look after your data, you will protect it. You'll you'll hire third parties. Uh, you know, any cloud-based systems should have gone through all sorts of levels of assessment, whether it's ISO, ISO twenty-seven thousand one and beyond, um, to ensure the the security and the, the protection of your data. So so use those systems out there. And it will actually make you better as a business. So one of the things that one of the particular pieces of GDPR that I think people tend to forget, you know, there's a lot of focus on the security of data and ensuring that you can share data with your clients and information you share with them is shared in a secure way and all that kind of good stuff. But one bit that is often left is that you also have a responsibility to keep your data up to date. So just holding the data and not doing anything with it and putting sort of wall gardens around it and never touching it 
You can't do that either. You need to keep the data up to date. Client portals are a great way of doing that because it enables the client to keep that data up to date whilst also solving the challenge of giving them access to the data as and as and when they need it. So if you think about uh, GDPR through that lens, actually what you end up with is you end up with a better business model. And that better business model clearly is good for good for all advisors. Great. That seems a good point on which to wrap things up. Uh, thank you, Nick, for your time this morning. Thank you, uh, Russell, as well. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, tune in again next week for the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.